Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. It's great to celebrate Father's Day, and uh, apparently been celebrating it now for about just over 100 years since somebody instigated it. It was actually a lady in the States that instigated it over 100 years ago. Her dad had brought her and her siblings up after their mother died in childbirth, and she was at Mother's Day service, and she thought, oh, I'd love to honor my father, and she started something back in, uh, in America that's kind of continued. And um, I just think it's good for us to take time to give thanks and to show our appreciation and gratitude. It's, it's a good exercise. The Bible is packed with God instructing us to be thankful and to be grateful and to show gratitude. In fact, the, uh, he set times in, in the calendar for the people to gather to give thanks together. That's why we're here this morning, primarily, is to worship and give thanks to God together. And it's a, a wonderful practice. And there's a Christian evangelist called Michael Ramsden, and one of his quotes is, is this. He says, the problem we have today is not that people feel they have nothing to be grateful for, it's that they feel they have no one to be grateful to. So it's not that people don't have anything to be grateful for, they just have no one to be grateful to. And of course, we can express gratitude to our parents and our family, but when, even when we're, we're grateful for our family, who do we express our gratitude for them to? There's a God, isn't there, who's provided so abundantly for us and there's something in us. We're, we're, we're wired to be worshippers. We're wired to want to give thanks, to express something and gratitude. And, and a day like today is a, is a wonderful opportunity to do that. And God loves it when we're grateful. God loves it when we express thanks. And not just to him, but to one another as well. Because there's something really positive, isn't there, in an environment where there's thanksgiving. There's a, a guy called A.J. Jacobs. I don't, has anybody watched any TED Talks? Anybody know what a TED Talk is? So there are these kind of short, inspirational talks about a whole raft of different subjects. And experts come and they talk for maybe 15, 20 minutes about certain things. And, and this one guy is a journalist and a bit of a prankster, and he's a, a philosopher, a guy called A.J. Jacobs, and he's a, an agnostic. And what he decided to do was to try and live according to the Old Testament for a whole year. Okay? So all of the laws, all of the rules of the Old Testament, he tried to live in New York for a whole year. Okay? And he... And he, he sort of did this TED talk, this 15 minute, 20 minute talk about what he'd learned through the process. And it's a really interesting uh, video to listen to, actually. And he said he started off as an agnostic, and now he considers himself as a reverent agnostic. <laughs> Something changed. But one of, the, one of the things that he said that he really benefited from was the rituals of giving thanks every day for things. And he said he realized as he was sort of, in a sense, forced to give thanks, as it was part of his day-to-day -day rituals, he began to realize all the things in his life that went right, the hundreds and hundreds of things that went right compared to the few things that went wrong. And he said it changed his outlook, it changed his attitude, it actually made him happier. And he said it was something that he was gonna continue on. You know, even for people who don't believe in God, when we give thanks, it does us good. There's research that says the people who regularly practice gratitude by taking time to notice and reflect on the things they're thankful for experience more positive emotions, feel more alive, sleep better, express more compassion and kindness, and get this, they have stronger immune systems. 
But when we're thankful, it takes the emphasis and the focus off me and puts it onto someone else, doesn't it? And that can only be good for us. It recognizes their input and their care and their provision. And the Bible tells us that if we honor our father and our mother, it's tied in with a promise. There's a command, honor your father and mother. And if you do, you'll have a a long and blessed life. And I'm very grateful um, to my father, my, my earthly father, who um, I'm so appreciative of. I'm going to see him later on. And my dad loves words. He likes you to express how you feel in words. You know, some people like gifts. Some people want you to spend time with them. Some people like uh, physical contact. My dad likes words. And, and I was just thinking again about all the things that he's, uh, the example that he's been to me in my life of what it is to be a man of God, what it is to be a good husband and a good father. And I'm so appreciative of all the things that he built into me about his faith, the fun and the humor that he approaches life with. His love for rugby kind of got fed into me, especially Welsh rugby. (laughs) The ethos of working hard, his care and thought for others, all of those things have been a great example to me in my own life. And then the specific support and encouragement he's given me, and also the times when he's really challenged me and, and, and disciplined me and pulled me up. And I've been so grateful for all of those things. And I'm thankful for my earthly father. I'm also conscious that in this room, there's a whole raft of experiences that we will have had with our fathers. And that some of us have fathers alive now. Some of us, that our fathers have passed away. But, you know, we've got to be so careful that when we can think about God being our father, we get the emphasis right. We don't look at God as our father through the lens of our earthly fathers. Because if we do that, we will have an imperfect view of what God is like as a father. Instead, we see what God is like as a father, and then we view all fathers through that lens. And what I know about God is he is a good father. Even the best fathers in the Bible that are referred to are nothing compared to him and how he is as a father towards us. And we've been talking and singing and listening this morning about the fact that God loves us completely. And God reveals himself to us as a father in the Bible. So if you, well, we won't turn to these verses, but one of the first references in the Bible to God being a father is in Deuteronomy 32. In fact, God doesn't specifically say that he loves his people until we get to the book of Deuteronomy, which is quite a long way into our Bibles, really. A lot of history has passed with the patriarchs and and then God calling his people Israel out, and that's where he expresses to them his love for them in Deuteronomy. But he describes himself directly as a father, probably, or he's referred to directly as a father, only just over about a dozen times in the Old Testament. And Deuteronomy 32.6 says... He, is he not your father who bought you? And there's this principle of him buying, that adoption, that purchasing, that bringing into relationship. Psalm 68 verse 5 says that he's a father to the fatherless, to the orphan. He goes on in, in Isaiah 31.9, he says, I'm descri- he's described as being Israel's father and Ephraim, which was the largest tribe in, in Israel, was considered to be his firstborn son in the, in the prophet's description. Malachi 2.10 says, do we not all have one father? He's appealing to the people and saying, we've got one father. We're, we're, we're part of the same family. That's how Sarah started the gathering this morning. We're part of the same family. Yeah. We share the same father. And he relates to a people, but he also relates to individuals, particularly to King Solomon. And it's based on the covenant that he made with David in 2 Samuel 7. But he says, I will be his father and he will be my son, referring to Solomon and, of course, referring to the, the line, the kingly line that will be fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. And in there is uh, language about that he'll be his father, he'll never leave him, he'll always uh, have a covenant with him, but he'll also discipline him when needed. 
But there's only, like I say, probably 15 or so direct references and maybe another nine indirect references to God being a father in the Old Testament, which is quite a small amount when you consider that's 39 books. And by the time you get into the Gospels, in the first four books of the, God, of the New Testament, God is referred to as Father over 165 times alone. And who does that? Jesus. He came to reveal. It was his favorite description of God. His favorite way to refer to God is, is as our Father. And for the Jews, that was a major shift. That was a major um, ch- change in emphasis. But God wants us to know that he's our Father, but more importantly, we are his. Okay? It works both ways. If he's my father, then I'm his son. Isaiah uh, 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. That means he's my father, but it also means I'm his. And he's the one who gets to shape me. He's the one who gets to work in my life. He's the one who gets to call the shots. He's the one who's forming and shaping. He's the one who knows what's best for me. And in our relationship with God, it's understanding, Lord, you're my father, but I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm I'm the clay in your hands. You are the potter. You're the great designer. I'm going to submit my life to you for you to shape me and form me as your son so that you can create the, the child that you see me becoming. And there are two references I want to talk about. If we could put the, the slide up, just call it this, this uh, Abba Father. We, we actually sang these words in, in one of the songs. I don't know if Will did that because he knew the title or not, but Abba Father. And there's three direct references in the New Testament to these two words coming together, Abba Father. So if you turn to Mark's Gospel, please. Mark 14. Mark 14. We've been spending, as as we all know, a lot of time on the cross and the crown, and this is the context of Jesus approaching the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Mark 14, verse 36, he's there, he's with his disciples, he's gone on to pray, they've had the Last Supper. He knows exactly what's coming next. And you know, in times of pressure, we must learn to go straight into prayer. When the heat is on, that's the time to start praying. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. That's exactly what he's telling his disciples to do. And in verse 36, his prayer is this. We get an insight to the son speaking to the father. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, in that short part of Jesus' prayer is everything that we need to know about who we are and how we're to relate to God. It's all there for us, just in that short prayer. Jesus approaches the Father as the Son, and he cries out, Abba, Father. He goes on to say, Lord, nothing is impossible for you. What a great statement. Or everything is possible for you. It's the other way around. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And those, that phrase, Abba, Father, is picked up by Paul. So if you turn to Romans 8.15, please. This same, these same two words come together in, a, in our own prayers, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8. 
Romans 8 is such a great chapter in the Bible to read. There are many others as well, you know. Go from verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And by the way, sons is a better translation than children. And any living translation is translated as children. But sonship is for everybody, regardless of gender. Male or female, you're a son of God. And that sonship speaks of rights. That you're an heir. That your inheritance is full and complete. That firstborn standing. He says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. You say that with me. Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we, that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're also to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. I'm taken straight back to the garden again, to that prayer. As soon as he says, Abba, Father, I'm taken straight back to Jesus as the Son, in that place, saying, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. If you can take this cup away from me, please do. But Lord, not my will, yours be done. And the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts to help us pray like that. And then if you turn to Galatians 4, please, 6 to 7. Again, we have this Abba Father statement. Galatians 4, verse 6. And he's comparing the, the, the son of a slave compared to the son of, of righteousness, the son of, the son of the law compared to the son of freedom. And he says, because we are his, sorry, God sent him, verse 5, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt, adopt us as his very own children. Again, that word of adoption. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Isn't that amazing? A child of God that we have the same standing as Jesus, that we can make that same cry, the very same cry that the Son of God gave, Abba, Father. And there's just three things I want to, uh, just to consider in, in our relationship to God as our Father, and, and then just to respond in, in thanks in, in closing. But just three things that I think would be good for us to, to take this morning. First thing about is, is this, that we've been brought into a relationship. A lot of people say to me, when they find out I'm a church pastor, they go, oh, I didn't know you were religious. And then I kind of always, a bit in me, would say, well, I'm not religious. I've got a relationship with God. He's my father. I don't always do that because that just seems weird. But relationship, that we have an openness, a communication we can enter into his presence, that we're sons. Secondly, a reliance. And for me, that's what Abba is speaking out, a reliance on God. And thirdly, father, Respect that we're to have a respect for him. And those three things are so important in our view of ourselves and who God is that will enable us to live lives just like Jesus, of submission and overcoming and inheriting all that God has for us. And the first thing is this, the relationship that we're having with God. The Holy Spirit has to speak to us and reveal it to us because we know we're not good enough. To think of the almighty God who's totally pure, totally holy, the ancient of days, the eternal one who spoke everything into being is your father. 
People say Christians, they, you know, they say they're humble, and yet they declare God's their father. What's going on? They've got a direct line to the creator of the universe, but they're so humble. But that's the case. The Holy Spirit confirms there's a relationship that we have with God, that we've received his spirit so that his spirit can say, it's real. You really are my son. I really am your father. He wants you to know who you are. But you know what? We have access into God's throne room. We can, just, we can enter into the most holy place. We can enter into his presence. And we're not going to get whisked away. We're not going to get pulled out by somebody else. Do you know the only person who limits you coming in or me coming into the presence of God is, my, is, is me. It's you. Because the access has been made. There is nobody who's trying to pull you out. It's just what our understanding of our relationship with him that we can enter into his presence. And he's not just going to, he's not too busy doing something else and he sort of almost <laughs> does a hand off on his little girl and pushes her aside. And then the baby comes in in the baby walker. Such a great video. But you know, we have access and he's waiting. He's your father. He's waiting for us to come into his presence. I find that astonishing that he's there, he's ready, he's waiting. He wants us to know that we are welcome, that we are his sons, that we have access, that we also have rights, we, we have his power, we have his authority, we carry his name now. And we are representative of him. When, whenever our children, when, when, when you have children, you want them, whenever they go anywhere and you're not there, you want them to behave themselves, you want them to be well-mannered, you want them to eat what they've been given and and, and, and be good kids and, prefer, and hopefully impress whoever they're with because when they're there, they represent you. Yep. And I know there have been times, I was, I, I've told this story before, but I remember one of, one of my friends had learned to drive and I, I was 16, he was 17, and we were driving to town in Merthyr and I was obviously very excited. I didn't get out much and as we're driving down the road, I lean out the window and I just go, yeah! like, ooh really loudly, didn't do the, feed, didn't do the feedback, um, and unbeknown, unbeknown to me, my mother was waiting at a bus stop that we'd sped past, unbeknown to me until I got home, and then it was known to me, and her whole issue was, you represent us, you represent me, and you're behaving like a wild banshee, That's what we're like. screaming banshee or something. But you know, the, God wants us to know that as his sons, we have access into his presence. He's waiting for us. He wants us to know the power that we have as his children, the glory that we're coming into, the authority we have. And wherever we go, we represent him. You represent our heavenly father. We represent him. And he wants us to know him. 1, 1 Corinthians 2, 10. If you just turn to this verse. You know, God is not hiding from us. God is making himself known to us. There are things about God that we will never understand or grasp because he's awesome. <laughs> but in 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. There's mind-blowing stuff. There's things that we'll never know or see or understand. And yet, verse 10, it says this, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us listen to this, shows us God's deep secrets. Isn't that amazing? That as his sons, he wants to reveal to us his secrets. 
The same spirit that reminds us and tells us of our sonship is the same spirit that knows God's heart, knows his innermost workings, his deepest secrets, and wants to reveal those things to us as we relate to him as our father, knowing that we are rightfully his sons. Access to the father, revelation of who he is, that he wants us to have a relationship with him. Secondly is this, Jesus prayed as a son, but these were his words, Abba, Father. And the second thing is this, a reliance on God. God wants us to be reliant on him. There, there's a lot of stuff now where you'll, you'll hear this phrase, Daddy God. And it comes from this translation of this word, Abba. But I, I do struggle with the, the oversimplicity of, of that translation to Abba equals Daddy. Because it's sort of almost referred to as the, the way that a baby would babble its first words, you know, dada, this kind of simplistic thing. It's much, much more than that. When Jesus is praying, Abba, Father, in the garden, he's not reverting back to being a three-year-old child. Jesus was at his most mature, most mature as a man, that he'd grown, he'd resisted all temptation, he'd come through everything, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man. The perfect man, the perfect specimen. He wasn't going back to being a three-year-old. He wasn't reverting and going, Daddy. He was crying out, Father, Lord, Dad, but heavenly God, dear, dear Father. This, this, this outcry wasn't him reverting. It was him being reliant, him in the most intimate way, showing that he was reliant upon his Father, that he needed him. He was submitting to his authority, submitting to his power, recognized that he was bigger, that he was in control, and trusting him and relying on him completely. That word Abba speaks of intimacy and trust. Deuteronomy 1, 31, God says this, in the wilderness, your God carried you as a father carries his son. I love that description. God carrying them like a father carries their son. That sense of reliance. You know, in our own relationships with our parents, we are to become less and less reliant on them, aren't we? That's the whole point. It's to enable your child to become independent so that they can be dependent of you. And the more mature that we are, the less reliant we are on our parents. And in fact, that relationship can then turn and our parents can be reliant on us. That's not the case with God. You know, the more mature you are, the more you'll rely on him. The more mature we become, the more reliant we are on our Abba, on our Father. He wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to trust Him. He doesn't want you to always look to yourself. He doesn't want you to always look to the material things or the people around you first. He wants you always, firstly, to go to Him. I wonder, you know, when, when, we, if, when we get around to maybe watching our lives back, how many times we'll have seen God do that for us? Our Father intervening when we didn't even know he'd done it. But that's what he does. We're to rely on him completely. There'll be things that we'll see, things that will be revealed to us. You know, we've been singing about God's love for us. There'll be specific instances where we'll look back and we'll say, wow, God, you, you did that for me. What a wonderful Father you are. He wants us to rely on him, wants us to look to him wants us to have faith in him. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. James 4, 8 says, as we draw close to him, he draws close to us. 
Just want to ask all of us, lay this challenge for myself as well. How much time are we setting aside to draw close to him? How much of a priority are we in in our day-to-day lives to say, Lord, I'm taking this time to draw close to you. Why? Because I'm reliant on you completely. I have many people that are reliant on me, but I'm reliant on you so that I can help them. James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of the heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. He is completely reliable. Now, I just, I just mentioned about how we uh, are reliant and become less reliant on our natural parents, and then sometimes they can become reliant on us. And as I was praying, and, and that sense of, if there are, if there, particularly if there are family members that are reliant on you because you're a carer, and you spend time to go and help them and to look after them, and you're caring for them, I would love to just pray for you together in the context of this moment for for the source of who you rely on to really just refresh you right now. So it's not to embarrass anybody, but if you'd be willing to stand, if if this is you, you're caring for somebody, particularly a parent, um, and you're spending time caring for them, it doesn't have to just be a father, but a father or a mother, would you just stand for a moment? Thanks, Linda. I know, uh, I don't think Sue Taylor is here, but I know that she's also somebody who's doing a lot of caring at the moment. Just close our eyes for a moment. Firstly, I just want to say, I want to honor you for what you're doing. I want to honor you this morning for honoring your parents in the way that you are. And Lord, we thank you that your word says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We declare, Lord, this morning we're reliant on you. And I just pray right now for each person standing. Bless them, Lord. Refresh them. Strengthen them. If you're close to somebody who's standing and you, you feel comfortable to do this, would you just place your hand on them just, just to pray God's blessing, God's provision for them? Lord, we bless our brother and sisters, Lord. We bless those who are blessing others. We just minister to them now, Lord, fresh peace, fresh grace, fresh faith. And Lord, we pray as well that if there are parents that don't yet know you, that they're being cared for by, Lord, let them find you. Let them come to know you, Lord. Let the faithfulness of their children in caring for them be a revelation of your faithfulness to them, your love for them, I pray. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Relationship, reliance, and this is really important, the third thing, respect. Abba, reliance, Father, respect. There's something about God where we must never lose our respect for him, our reverence for him. He's God. He's the almighty God. And that closeness, that intimacy, the, the willingness to embrace us, his love for us, all of those things are so wonderful, but they're also balanced by this reverence and respect I have for him as the almighty one. He's the source of all. He's first in everything. That's why he reveals what fathers are, not fathers revealing what he's like, because he's first. Jeremiah 3, 19, God says, How gladly I would treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father, 
and not turn away from following me. Can you see that? Calling him Father means then that we follow him, that we obey him, that we respect him, that we revere him. Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey me. That born out of this relationship, coming from this reliance, is this respect. As a son honors his father, God says, if I am a father, where is the honor due me? He's challenging his people in Malachi. He's saying, if I'm your father, where's the honor that all should show to a father? He is worthy of respect. He's worthy of praise. And God is is interested in, in our reference to him, in our respect to him, the recognition that he's the originator, that he's the father of everything and everyone, that we're his sons, but we're to rely on him and we're to honor him and we're to obey him. That was his beef with Saul. Saul had gone and and, and started to sacrifice animals before God, but he did it disobediently. And God says, I'm not interested in the showy stuff. I'm interested in heart obedience, in you honoring me. Obedience more than, than sacrifice. And because we're to respect him, we're also to respect the discipline that he brings into our lives. As a man disciplines his son, that's what Deuteronomy 8 describes him, that God disciplines those he loves. That's what it tells us in Hebrews 12 that he trains us and that we're to be willing to receive his discipline. So just this morning, I would like for us to, for the musicians and singers could come back, we've just got one song that I'd like us to respond to. We're going to ask the children to come back in before the kids give gifts to their dads. But if we could just stand together, please. In 1 Thessalonians 5.13, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Psalm 92 verse 1 said, it's good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to the Most High. Just as we worship right now, just want to remind us all the relationship that we have with him, that he's your father, you are his son. That's what we sang in the first song, You Are My Vision. That we're to be reliant in him, to rely on him, and that we're to show respect for him. And then in each of those things, we'll know all of his provision, all of his blessing, surrendered lives, so we can be thankful and grateful to all that he's done for us. And just where you are right now, and I just encourage you just to start to say in your own words, thank you to your heavenly father, to express your gratitude to him for his love, for his care, the fact that he's bought you, not with mere silver or gold, but with the precious blood of his son. That he's brought you close, that he wants you to know him, that he wants to reveal his his secrets by his Holy Spirit. That today that we're to rely on him, to look to him and to trust him, and that he's worthy of our respect, he's worthy of our reverence. In everything that we have this morning, Lord, we thank you that you've made us sons. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've made us sons. We thank you, Lord, that we can rely on you completely today as our wonderful Heavenly Father, as our Abba. And Lord, we declare this morning our respect and our reverence for you as our wonderful Father, as our awesome, the first, the Alpha, and the Omega. 
Lord, we lift all that we have. We just think about all that we own, all that we have, Lord. We think of our families. We think of our work. We think of our home and our possessions. We think of all that we have. We think of our dreams. And Lord, we just lift them to you right now, Lord, and say, Lord, it's, it comes from you. And Lord, we ask that you would be Lord in all of it. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.